0: Thank you.
1: Thanks. <laughs> I'm ready to go
2: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Revolution One Dove Radio. This is Mickey Aristar, your local rabbi, Meha, high priest, minister, two times over. We're going over the second section of season four. And I'm kind of just reading the book as I go. <clears throat> and the author describes in the contents what he has in this book we will just going to go from page to page and read as far as we can. I have about three more pages, actually, four more with it tonight. And I will call it a day. Right now, Amazon's down. So, I'm not worried about it when things get back up. I'll just repost right now. I'm trying to push out my Monday repertoire and then get into Tuesday. Uh, we're starting our things that I kind of took. The week off because of Hanukkah, uh, new season, new beginning, new move forward, great awakening. And the whole festival Passover an opportunity, the Messianic Jews or the Nazarite Jews and Messianic Gentiles or believers to connect with Yeshua. If we are looking for opportunities to connect with the Messiah, the biblical festivals are low hanging fruit. They provide occasions For us to do what Yeshua would do and to do what he did they provide opportunities for us to celebrate his life we connect with the stories of his death his resurrection at Passover the story of his appearance and ascension during the continuing of the days of the barley omar the story of the outpouring of his spirit at Pentecost the story of his second coming at the festival of trumpets, and the story of his atoning sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, and the story of his birth and his coming kingdom at the festival of booths, Blueprint of Redemption If we believe in the New Testament, why would we observe the Old Testament holidays? Question. For Jewish people it is simply a matter of obedience. The Bible commands the Jewish people to keep Adonai's holy holidays. The New Testament does not exempt Jewish people from the observation of Yahuwah's law. It's written in our heart and mind, remember that. See my earlier book, and he talks about the restoration of from Sabbath to Sabbath, which is a book he wrote, which I will be at, and that will be our next allude. Even if we are not Jewish, like him, the author, you might feel called to learn more about the Holy Holidays you may feel especially called to celebrate and observe them on some level when I first learned the biblical calendar in Leviticus 23 and the main meaning of the biblical festivals I quickly caught the zeal to celebrate and practice the festivals it was not one law type of thou shalt for me Nor did I see it as a matter of personal obligation. I Didn't think of it as a mandate. I Knew I was not Jewish, and I was not interested in pretending to be however I felt an inner compulsion to order my life around the Holy Holidays anyway It seemed logical to me that if the biblical festivals and the holy holidays are all about the Mashiach, then as a disciple of Yeshua, I want, and we've got to remember from my angle, Yeshua is also the Father, so we look at that again, I want to celebrate them. It seems obvious to me that the Bible believers, believing person, would want to keep the Bible's holy holidays bible prophecy also inspires me to keep the holy holidays the biblical festivals create a prophetic outline for the work of the messiah and he provided us with a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven that is to say he provided us with a glimpse of the messianic era each of yahuwah's remember again we're talking about yeshua holidays alludes to the aspect of redemption and the revelation of the messiah they consecrate consecrate acts of redemption for Israel's history. For example, the Passover consecrates the Exodus from Egypt. At the same time, the biblical festivals look to the future. They create an esoteric blueprint. Each holy holiday foreshadows one of the big events of Yahuwah's master plan of redemption. They lay out the pattern of redemption because of the schedule of Yahuwah's appointed times for interacting with man. And the church is going berserk right now. The Lamb of Yahuwah died and rose from the dead at Passover, at the same time at which Israel was celebrating salvation from Egypt with the annual sacrifice of the Passover Lamb. Likewise, many of the Holy Holidays point towards to things that are yet to come. For example, the festival of trumpets points towards the coming day when the trumpet of Messiah will announce his second coming. By learning more about the Holy Holidays we can attune ourselves to the spiritual power of redemption, the work of the Messiah, and the coming kingdom of heaven. When we celebrate the Holy Holidays we bring a little bit that spiritual power into this world and into our lives Um, we'll go through the life of the Messiah and the head start of the kingdom and then we'll call it a night and then I'll get our next book up which is the Midrash we'll read it and then the book of the Messiah the life of the Messiah imagine that it must have been like to be one of the Apostles to be one of those selected who who had to encounter with a risen Messiah what is immersing life-changing privilege on a small level the festivals offer us the opportunity to see the experience him too at Passover we sit around his table we follow him to Gethsemane Golgotha we discover his empty tomb and we rejoice with his disciples mm. You might say that it is even generation, every generation. The disciple should regard himself as if he were personally reclining at the Last Supper, fed from fed, fled from the seminary, wept at the cross, and rejoiced over the resurrection. During the days of the counting of the Omar or the barley, he appears to us as a living, an anointed one so to speak, and on the 40th day we watch him ascend to the right hand of glory. At Pentecost we should regard ourselves as if we were personally present in the temple when the sound of the mighty rushing wind filled the temple courts and the tongues of fire descended upon us and we spoke in 70 Languages. Okay, on the first of the Yule, we witness him immersed in the Jordan, and the descendant of the dove. We hear his voice from heaven. That is his beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, again alluding to the oneness of the Father, and then we follow the shewa into the wilderness for forty days of preparation. On the festival of trumpets we hear the shofar trumpets announce his second coming and on the day of atonement we see him taking up the seat on the throne of judgment as a son of man who will judge the living and the dead at the festival of booths we dwell in the Sukkot under the shadow of the Almighty in the most in the shade of the Most High and we hear the angel singing behold I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people mm. where unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the anointed one Adonai or Hoshia to Yahuwah in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased and that's Luke 2 10 through 14 then. Each person can sit in his own booth, enjoy the holiness of the land of Israel, and the future, messiah, or messianic kingdom in this case, Nazarite kingdom, which each man will sit under his own vine and fig tree. This is how we live out the festivals, as the substance of the Messiah and the shadow of things to come, celebrating the holy days, offering us a foretaste of the coming kingdom. Head start on the kingdom. Every disciple of Yeshua is obligated to seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first ye the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew 6.33. All concepts pertaining to this material world are irrelevant compared to that one single overwhelming goal. But what is the kingdom of heaven? Question. Contrary to popular beliefs, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of going to heaven when you die. The kingdom of heaven is the reign and rule of Yahuwah through his righteous and name his son, but it's the same one, the Messiah. The kingdom refers to the messianic era when the knowledge of Adonai will fill the earth and the revelation of Yahuwah will become universal. In that day, there will be no agnostic or atheist. The extent of Yahuwah and his presence in the world will be obvious to everyone When the kingdom comes all nations will ascend towards the light of the messianic Jew Jerusalem Where the right righteous Mashiach son of the Will sit upon the throne of the and administer justice to the entire and that is what we're going to cut uh, We will Continue the next few sections. Let's see here. I think. Yeah. We go into where the Old Testament festivals are cancelled. per se, but it's not. Um, and we'll go cut there for the evening. And then we'll stop. Take a 10 minute. And I'll be right back with our next study. Alright, So the last book we read was The Holy Days. And it's by Dr. D. Thomas Lancaster Now we're going to read the Chronicles of the Messiah. Um, I Have a specifically marked out the introduction Um, We read the first half of it through the message of the Gospels the birth of Yeshua at Sukkot and this is also a journal entry by D. Thomas Lancaster, Dr. Again, evidence from old sources, and we're just going to read about a half a dozen all the way to The Man of Sorrow. For a variety of reasons, some less valid than others, many people in the Masonic Judaism have an adverse to celebrating the birth of our Master on a traditional Christian date of December the 25th or January the 6th. The ad version has inspired some Messianic communities to celebrate the birth of the Messiah on an alternative date in conjunction with the festival of Sukkot. The festival of tabernacles provides an attractive option for theoretical reasons such as the Word became flesh and the tabernacle among us, that's John 1 14. Sukkot is the a, a season of joy, and appropriate time to celebrate joy to the world. Okay, uh, let see here. Two, three. Okay, I'm going to read about a page and a quarter, and then we will quit. The traditional date. Okay, uh, but if there is any evidence of historical tradition behind celebrating Yeshua's birth as a Sukkot. Any early Judaism anti-christian Legion contained evidence that the disciple of Yeshua used to celebrate his birth at Sukkot so there is evidence the traditional date where and when was Jesus born Was Yeshua the Gospels, Gospels writers either did not know when the evidence happened or they did not feel that information was important enough to pass along why we can only speculate two centuries after it happened Clement of Alexander discussed the date of the master's birth but he did not mention December the 25th or January the sixth at all instead Clement reported one tradition corresponding to April the 20th on our civil calendar and another traditional correspondence of May the 20th but the middle of the fourth century however the Roman Church had begun to honor december the 25th while churches in the east asia minor and egypt observed jesus birth on january the sixth both were later developed and unsupported by early tradition or biblical evidence no trace of tradition from the early jewish believers Connected to the birth of the Mashiach on December the 25th or January the 6th some speculate mm-hmm, That the church associated the birth of the anointed one with winter solstice solstice and assumed that the church chose December the 25th as a matter of Systematics with the old religion idea of the sun washing the and the birth of Demigods mm. This may have been the case but Christians of this period were in the bitter struggle against paganism and general shunned such association. In any case some practitioners of the Messianic Judaism tend to gravitate toward away from December the 25th Christmas date but of its negative association with the Jewish community and because of presumed association with paganism to replace Christian Christmas celebrations some believers within the Messianic community celebrate the birth of the Messiah during Sukkot the festival of Tabernacles but without any real justification other than theological convocation one often hears spurned claims that try to provide the Sukkot date based upon the time of Zechariah. Zechariah's course of the priesthood served in the temple. Other Secret theories proponents claim Yeshua was born in a such. But because of the word stable is Such in Hebrew. These arguments are not all convincing and fall apart under scrutiny. Is there any litical legitimate evidence of the Sechoth's birth? Or is the birth of Yeshua Ezekot just more Hebrew root movement apocrypha? I don't know. I'm not going to judge one or the other. Personally, I'm a Nazarite and I celebrate it. As the Lord teaches me, but we'll finish here at the half mark. Uh, At at that time appointed, as the midrash lines of the approaching adjutant, comparing the birth of John the Immerser to the Master, according to Luke one twenty six and one thirty six, the conception of the Master Mm -hmm. followed that of John the Immerser by six months interesting if so if birth should be following John by the same interval if one could determine when John the Immerser was born he could determine when the master was born in the Gospel of Luke the angel Gabriel tells John's father Zechariah that his age bearing wife Elizabeth is about to conceive a child Zechariah expressed skepticism. Gabriel punished him with striking him with a temporary newt. The story clearly alludes to the Annunciation of Abraham and Sarah, where the angel of the Adonai appeared to the elderly couple to predict the birth of Isaac. Like Zechariah, Sarah expressed skepticism. In the gospel story, Gabriel tells Zechariah that he will be mute until the day that these things take place, which will be fulfilled in their appointed time, and that's Luke 120. Gabriel predicted prediction alluded to Genesis 18:14, when the angel told Abraham at the appointed time, I will return to you. And Sarah will have a son. In the Torah, the traditional festivals are called the appointed times, according To the Jewish interpretation the appointed times at which Sarah gave birth to Isaac at the first day of Passover and how do we know that Isaac was born at Passover because it is written at the appointed time we will return to you and Sarah will have a son and that's Hosea or Rosh Hashanah 1 or 11a of the gospels in the gospel john the immerser comes in the role of the spirit of elisha or elisha jewish traditional tradition maintains that elisha will appear at passover to announce the coming of the messiah for this reason we read malachi's prophecy about the coming of the messiah on the shabbat before passover and the jewish coming Home, the Jewish home was set for Passover Seder tables for Elisha in John the Immerser was the Elisha who is to come that's Matthew eleven fourteen. 14 it is not reasonable to assume that his birth took place at the appointed time of Passover and if John the Immerser was born at Passover then the master should have been born six months later on the onset of the festival of tabernacles so in Bethlehem the show was born in Bethlehem no doubt perhaps Joseph Joseph and Miriam plan their trip to Bethlehem to coincide with the annual privilege uh, pilgrimage to Jerusalem the Gospels indicate that they were uh, spr- spr- at attending the uh, Pilgrim Festival in Jerusalem and traveled to a pilgrimage caravan in Galilee to could have provided them safe on the journey. The Pilgrims might also have accounted for the no vacancy signs at the local inn in Bethlehem. Sohut context, the story also counts for the angelic greeting of Hosanna in the Highest a pilgrim's festival, salutation, connected with the recite of Hallel, at Prusach, Shavuot, and Sehult, the Eighth day. The eighth day after the baby's birth, Joseph circumcised the child. On that day, they gave him the name Gabriel, announced to Mary at the time of conception the same name an angel revealed to Joseph in a dream the last day of sahut is an additional festival that the Torah calls the eighth day in Leviticus 23 36 and 39 if Yeshua was born on that day of the eighth day thereby literally fulfilling the scriptures saying on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised that was Leviticus 123 so we're gonna stop there that one I'm going to take another can and I'll be right back with a dash of drash hello hello everybody so we're in our third book uh, a dash of drash which is a focus on the Torah and the midrash Karen Hannon Piler And we are reading Lice Lalacha, which is go forth, is what it means in Hebrew. Genesis 12, mm-hmm. 1 through 17 and 27. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing because it's quite long. No, not really. There are only about four pages. And we'll go back here for a minute. And we start in the portion of the Liche Lecha. The land is brought into biblical spotlight. We read of Yahuwah's call to Abraham go forth, your country, to the land which I will show you, and that's Genesis 12 1. As the narrative progresses, we realize that Yahuwah is again making a match. Turn this music down here go um, realize again he's making a match he is weaving together those chosen families and the land he has chosen we are told in the calte or ecclesiastical a third fold cord is not essentially broken the third stand strand which renders renders this is unbreakable an eternal cord it is Yahuwah's word he gives us Confrontational promises in turn to Abraham then Isaac and Jacob We see the expression in Jacob's or Isaac's blessing to Jacob May he give the blessings of Abraham to you and your offspring with you That you may take possession of the land of your sojourns that Yahuwah gave to Abraham that's Genesis 28 four. God as landlord. God makes it clear, however, that His people are simply tenants in the land. He is the sole and rightful owner. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners at with me. Leviticus twenty-five, twenty-three. Remember, we're reading the midrash this by extension is true of all the earth yahuwah provided with the flood the that humanity is not essential in the maintaining of the universe man is under an illusion that if he thinks the world is his playground they're simply to serve his means and indulge his pleasures as rabbi barley Shavot describes or Ashton, the vast array of organic and living things serves a purpose higher than that of human, human human together with humanity the rest of the cosmos is living interlocked symphony to our creator we are the tenants but yahuwah is the only ball habaki, or prop, property owner While we lift our eyes to see His design and open our ears to hear the transcending symphony of Yahuwah in all His creation, we can respond in faith, believing that we are able to hear His still, small voice saying, Go forth! And like our father Abraham, we can confidently walk with the path to which we call and direct us. Yahuwah as blesser on the one hand we know that in his vastness and mysteriousness that Yahuwah of the universe is unknowable our finite mind cannot begin to know him how do we grasp the measure of understanding of his infallible greatness mm, interesting On the other hand, the realization slowly dawns in our dim, gray matter that the almighty, wondrous Yahuwah longed to be known to approach, even to be left. Throughout the history of mankind, Yahuwah's consistent aim has been to come down, to build a relationship of love with his people. As a people corporately, but also with each precious individual as we see demonstrated with abraham in fact the scriptures make it clear that he adorated pursued us all the days of his life to the end he has instilled within us an ability to respond and relate to him and develop development of this capacity in what life ultimate is all about yeshua emphasized in his teachings that the end the aim of every commandment is love to learn to love Yahuwah by loving one another the result of loving is blessing and of the greatest qual- quality qualities of Yahuwah demonstrated in his Pesach the one that emerged is most forcefully is he is a blesser. He is eager to bless his children and see the bless then bless one another in the operating verse of the word blessing" appears five times in different forms. Bino Jeho observed in his study of Genesis that these blessings correspond to the fivefold abundance of light created on the fifth day. The word. OR, which is light, also occurs five times in Genesis 1 through 5. Nia, the pointed out, here we have to a second world created with an advent of Abraham. A world of blessing, not only from God to man, but given to man by man. She quoted the Rashish commandment. Blessed are, are placed... At your disposal, in your hand, hitherto they have been in my hand. I bless Adam and Noah. henceforth, I bless whom you wish, like Abraham, those who walk in faith full obedience to Yahuwah of Israel, Israel inherited the great privilege of bestowing blessings upon others. Let us be blessers, so there is a writing. And next week's reading is Vei uh, Ahar, which deals with Genesis 18:1 through 22 and 24. And he appeared. So I'm going to mark this one. We are done with the evening. I'm be doing any more readings right now. I'm just going to stack these up here. And our next teaching, uh, catching up will be Bible Promises for Life, The Ultimate Handbook, uh, Abundant Truth, Three Livings, Going Deeper Still with Kate Arthur, Priscilla, uh, Beth Moore, and everything else. I'll be back in a few minutes. kind of combining the series.